Super Talk Mississippi Media Production. Or free record on my count. Seven, six, five, four, three, two, roll A, fade up on A. Southern Miss to the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Hey, good afternoon. Welcome to the Eagle Hour. Bob Getty and Luke Johnson. We're in the First Bank Studios as we are every day in Hattiesburg and Laurel. We're glad you're with us as always. Former baseball star Mark Maddox on the show today, along with Kelly Sander and Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun Herald. Want to thank our good friends at Dickie's Barbecue Pit for always kicking off the Eagle Hour. Great place to enjoy lunch or dinner. Great place to take your family uh, and a great place for catering. If you're uh, in the market for that, uh, they can handle it at Dickie's. It's Wednesday. We go to the Gulf Coast and visit with our good friend Patrick McGee from the Biloxi Sun Herald. And uh, Patrick, always good to talk to you. I thought you had a very interesting article uh, with a football coach, uh, the new football coach at Southern Miss, uh, about transfers and commitments and that sort of thing. It does appear that Will Hall is uh, off to a good start when it comes to recruiting kids to his program. Am I right about that? Yeah, well, you know, whenever you come into a, a program that's kind of coming off to it, uh, coming off a rough season, you usually have to address certain areas right away. And, and uh, for Will Hall, the offensive line was really uh, one spot. It was, you know, not that they didn't have quality in, say, five to seven guys. It's just they didn't have the depth they need there. And uh, they've already got one uh, new guy on campus, and Bryson Mays out of West Virginia. I mean, he's a guy that, I mean, it would be surprising if he didn't start somewhere. They're going to give him a shot at left tackle, but uh, he's played center as well. So he's a guy that they could probably plug in in a variety of positions. Then they've got a couple of uh, junior college transfers coming in, John Bolton and Peyton McKinnon, a big six foot seven, six foot eight uh, offensive tackle out of Gulf Coast. So he, they really kind of went out and, and looked for some defensive linemen, offensive linemen, wanted to get another guy there in the backfield and, and they, uh, the Quan Bailey Brown got hurt there late in the spring. They've had a receiver out of uh, Hines, Jacarius Caston. So I think they did a good job, not necessarily going the FBS route, but there were some JUCO guys that were left out out there who were uh, eligible and ready to get go. And I think they hit a lot of the marks in, in terms of guys that can help right away and maybe help a year from now. You know, Patrick, I'm struck at the size of all these offensive linemen. You know, but... It just seems like 300 pounds now is kind of blasé. That seems to be the standard. Well, what's more amazing to me is the guys that are now six foot eight. You know, and, yeah. and I mean, everybody's got you know six foot six to six foot eight offensive tackles. I don't know if humans are just getting taller on average, or <laughs> you know, kids are moving away from basketball. And uh, <laughs> I don't know. I mean, these guys just keep getting taller and taller and. I'm, I'm sure you know it's. I, I I don't know. I mean, it used to you know, if you're out left tackle with six foot four, you're like, man, that's that's ideal. Yeah. But now you want a six foot six, six seven guy out there. So yeah, uh, that's just the the age we're in, I guess. Luke Johnson, when you were playing for Southern Miss, how many six eight three hundred pound offensive linemen did we have? We had some six seven six uh, six guys. I'm not sure we had six eight. I remember a dude back in the day. 
name was Todd Beeching. I think he was six foot eight. He played before I got there. But yeah, the the fact that you've got you know mountains on on either side surely helps. But your quarterback's got to be able to see over the line, so that's what helps when uh, when Trey Lowe is is six three. Yeah, go ahead, Luke. Get in here with Patrick. Patrick, um, what what stood out to me because this was uh, and you were talking to McKinnon and uh, Kalik Washington. Seems as if the Southern Miss coaching staff thinks he's going to be a, a third or fourth round NFL draft pick. That was kind of uh, news to me. Yeah, they, uh, Will Hall was pretty strong on him uh, back in the spring, so it didn't really surprise me to hear McKinnon kind of relay that. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think Washington had a really good spring. He's maybe one of those guys that kind of benefits really from another year of, of college football and putting himself in position. I. I, I know he's played a lot of left, I think, if I remember right. So, I mean, maybe the, the right side is a really good fit for him. And They moved Ty, Ty King Doss out there to left tackle, but uh, Bryson Mays, the West Virginia transfer, it looks like he's going to give him a pretty good push. Of course, I'm not sure what Doss is checking in at these days, but uh, he may be the big, one of the biggest you know, left tackles in America, <laughs> one of the big offensive linemen. I mean, I know he was close to 370. I think Ugh. Mays is maybe a little bit more athletic guy. Uh, so it's It'll be interesting. I think they kind of, at this point, they have a couple of guys at each position on the offensive line, and uh, that's really kind of the bare minimum of what you need these days. So I, I think depth-wise, offensive line is in a significantly better spot than it was to uh, say there to wrap up the spring. Tykeem Doss listed at six five three seventy nine on uh, the roster from the spring. So, yeah, um, good luck feeding him. Anyway, Patrick, uh, talk about two guys on the the defensive line. You you made some mention to them. Uh, I see the two guys of all of these lists, uh, all these guys coming in in your article. Deshaun Crawford and Everett Cunningham probably will play immediately on the offensive side. Comment about them, but on the offensive side, uh, do, do we think the running back from Hines and and uh, then Cashton, both of the guys from Hines, the running back and the wide receiver, could could play on on that side of the ball? I think uh, just just at first glance, when you look at the I think Rich uh, Richard, I guess, yeah, he's from Louisiana, so he's a Richard. He's not Richard. Um, He's a he's a guy that I think is going to play right away. If you look at his number, they only Hines only played four games last year, and he had 472 rushing yards. And he signed with South Alabama at a high school, and so I think uh, that he's somebody that can maybe work in as your number two or number three guy there, running back potentially. You know, he's got to come in and play well this fall and learn what they need out of him. Uh, but we all know the you know, the running back spot seems to be one of those positions where you can kind of plug and go. Uh, Jacarius Caston, he'll have a chance to play this year, uh, but you have uh, you know Demarcus Jones also there in the slot. It, it really hurts Southern Miss to lose Dequan Bailey Brown because he was having such a solid spring and and is really a kind of guy you like there as a, as a slot guy, a shifty, fast guy that can make guys miss. Uh, so it's they're they're going to you know that's one position that's got to be really a focus uh, to have a security blanket for for Trey Lowe or whoever's the quarterback. That slot position is really important. So. Uh, if Caston comes in and, play, and plays well, he should get significant playing time. Patrick, is it Will Hall's history to play a lot of guys? Some coaches tend to stick to, you know, to that starting 11 and, and only rotate a few in on each side of the ball. Other coaches like to have a lot of depth and like to rotate offensive lines, defensive lines. How do, how do you think Will Hall will play it? Well, I, I think it all, you know, I, I, you know, if you look at, at how he operated his offense at Tulane, he wasn't afraid to rotate guys in at running back, even at quarterback. Uh, so I, I think if he has the numbers and the depth, we'll see 
bunch of guys on the field. Uh, but, you know, he's going to work with what he's got. And But it, on the offensive lines, it feels like he has three or four guys working off the bench. I think we'll see uh, you know, several guys out there. But, no, I, I think he wants to have a pretty heavy rotation at running back. We'll see how he handles receiver. But uh, just from watching this two-lane team, he likes to have uh, a bevy of talented running backs, and he likes to get them all on the field. In your conversation with him, where, where did you detect that he feels like the, the biggest area of need and improvement will be? I, you know, I think uh, uh, I think in the front seven on defense, maybe specifically on defensive line, uh, you don't really have that big, you know, that that you know many big bodies at the, on the on, on the interior of the defensive line. I think that's where he's open to adding somebody else here in the summer. So, I think that's that's one spot that you may see him try to add. But of course, that's I mean, that's <laughs> to me that's the. That's the toughest position to fill, especially at the group of five level, is finding a, a run stuffer there in the middle of the defensive line that can just really stay on the field and produce and, and really clog that up. So if he's able to add that, that would be a big boost because, uh, you know, nobody really kind of comes to mind as that 320, 310-pound guy that can just, eat, you know, take up guys on the line and, and, and stop that run up the middle. Luke? I guess wrapping up uh, for for me, Patrick. Um, it's kind of switching gears uh, to 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 baseball. One thing we should note today: Rodrigo Montenegro, Gabe's little brother, comes out on Twitter today, committing to Southern Miss. Some possibility we might have two Montenegros on the field next year. Yeah, it looks like it. I you know I, I haven't talked to Barry or or obviously to Gabe or anything like that. But it, to me, that would be a, a little bit of a sign that Gabe would be coming back. I mean, you get a chance to play with your brother. Uh, you know, it seemed like the younger brother had a pretty good situation there at uh, Western Oklahoma State on the Division Two level as, as their catcher hit, I think, 348 this year. Uh, so he'll probably factor in, the, you know, in the depth situation at catcher. And you saw Blake Johnson really come on at catcher in the regional, hit a couple of homers. He hit. The, he was a very good hitter in high school, and you've seen little flashes out of him here and there. But I think next year is a year where you see him really kind of break through at the plate. But uh, you know, Stanley didn't hit that well behind him. I think he hit better late. Uh, but if you can have another productive guy behind Johnson there at catcher in Montenegro, who I think has played some infield as well, uh, maybe he's kind of, can be kind of a utility guy when it comes down to it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, you always like to have another quality body at catcher, and I think it is – you know, potentially a step for Gabe to come back for another season. Well, I have sources that are really close to the Montenegro family that say it is a lock. He is coming back. So I hope that um, – I hope they're right, Patrick, because uh, there are not a lot of Gabe Montenegros out there, and getting him for another year would <laughs> obviously be a good thing. appreciate right. you, Patrick, as always, and I look forward to having you back on the show next week, buddy. Okay, thanks, guys. Patrick McGee, everybody, sports editor from the Biloxi Sun-Herald, and always a pleasure to have Patrick on the Eagle Hour.
You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. The Eagle Hour. Southern Miss to the top. Always appreciate uh, Patrick McGee for the Biloxi Sun-Herald for coming on the Eagle Hour. Appreciate the professor being on with us today. A couple of programming notes. Uh, pitching ace Hunter Stanley on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. We'll have him for the full half hour, first half of the show. Going to be talking about his great career at Southern Miss and what now lies uh, in the future for Hunter Stanley. And then Luke and uh, Kelly will be at Paris Tractor Company up on Highway 49 North Friday afternoon. Uh, Father's Day event taking place out there. We've never been there before. We're excited about having the Eagle Hour at Paris Tractor. Hope that you'll tune in and uh, join the guys Friday afternoon uh, as they go back on the road uh, with the Eagle Hour. All right, our next guest, uh, certainly no stranger to uh, Southern Miss baseball, a true star for the Golden Eagles, was Mark Maddox. Uh, played five years of professional baseball up to AAA. Uh, just a great baseball career. Mark, I appreciate you being on the show. And I was looking at your stats, amazing to me. You never hit under 300 from your freshman year through your senior year. Hey, well, there was definitely some bumps in the road <laughs> along those ways. I can <laughs> certainly assure you that. And, uh, Thank you for having me and uh, looking forward to today. Uh, you you can kind of – I mentioned our guest tomorrow is Hunter Stanley. And, and, and put yourself back when you were in, in his shoes. Uh, here's a kid that was really outstanding in college. And, you know, he's thinking about playing professional baseball and, and, and getting his shot. What do you think goes on in the minds of a kid like a Hunter Stanley or a Walker Powell at, at this, when their career has come to an end in college and they're waiting to hear from the from the Major League Baseball world? Yeah, first off, I mean that's that's every kid's dream is to to have the opportunity to play at the next level and keep playing and play until um you know, you're just no longer able to play anymore and so getting an opportunity to play at the professional level is something that we all look forward to and you know, I think the biggest thing for them right now is is just the unknown. What does somebody call me? When do they call me? Do I get a chance? Where am I going? And then everything just happens so fast. So um, both of those guys certainly, you know, have warranted themselves a chance at the next level and, you know, would succeed and uh, looking forward to following them in the future. But, you know, it's just that hurry up and wait mentality that I think, you know, mm-hmm. it's not easy to do. But um, unfortunately, there's nothing really that they can do. They've put together their best foot forward over the past, you know, four or five, six years and, you know, ready to give the next level a chance. And how different is that world? When you leave, it when you get into professional baseball, it is. You know, I think the biggest thing for me, you know, ended up being, you know, it, it, the college game is really team focused. It's really like you're playing for your brothers. You know, of course, everybody wants to do their part. Everybody wants to get five hits a game and throw ten shutout, you know, ten strikeouts and you know nine shutout innings. But you know, the reality is that you can't. So every game on a sixty game schedule is much more important. But when you go to the to the professional ranks, you're pay, playing 144 games, and you know the weirdest thing is your competition is actually you know your own team and the guys above you and below you within your organization, and you know just you could theoretically lose every game, but if you hit 340 and 20 home runs, the chances of you moving up the next level are pretty good, and that's one step closer to the big league. So just understanding that business atmosphere and trying to take what you learn in college and going forward and, um, you know, still having the team mindset. But I think understanding the differences in the two games is, is one of the big 
big adjustments. All right, All right we're going to get Luke at the conversation before we uh, bring him in. Though I do want to, I want to bring this up, Mark. You were not only a hero on the Southern Miss baseball field; you were a hero a couple of weeks ago, and this was brought to our attention. You saw a person lose control of their car and drive the car into a lake, and I understand that you went in the water. Uh, putting your safety aside and, and got the guy out and, and basically saved his life. Tell us what happened. Yeah, it, it was one of the most bizarre things I've ever seen. And, uh, you know, first off, it wasn't just me. There was several other people there to, to help out. Um, but you're right. Uh, essentially what happened is the guy, he, I'm not sure what happened at the wheel, um, but he lost control. He kind of hopped the curb. He wasn't, you know, gassing real fast or braking or any of that. I honestly thought he was about to pull over and park on the grass and start fishing. And he had just kept going. And the hill kind of took him down and into the water. And honestly, I didn't really know what to do at that point. I mean, this is something that I've only seen in movies. So I just <laughs> threw my car in park and started running out there. And I was yelling at him to roll down the window. That I don't know why. Again, going back to the movies, you know, I figured he would – you know, not be able to roll down his window, not be able to open the door with all the pressure and before the electricals went out. And he barely cracked it. And I was like, no, man, you got to roll it all the way down to be able to get out. And by this point, a couple of other people came up and, you know, we got him to where he was, you know, awake. He was okay. We figured out that everything was, um, that he was okay. There was nobody else in the car. And so basically it got time for him to jump out of the car and he was going to swim to the shore before the car got fully submerged and he took a couple big old swims at it. And I don't know if he swallowed water. He started kind of choking a little bit and, um, coughing and kind of doggy paddling. So I've been down to untie my shoes and be able to help if I needed to. And then I heard one of the ladies in the background just go <gasps> like a big deep sigh. And you look up and he's going under and the bubbles are kind of coming up above his you know, head and all that. So we head out there and we, um, you know, go in there and get up underneath him and get his head back to where he can catch some breath and we kind of get him to shore and, and everything's okay. But, um, turns out he had, you know, had a, had a rough morning and, um, but he is okay and has got a second chance at life. So hopefully that'll wow. get some things going. Luke Johnson. How about that story from a former <laughs> golden Eagle? It's just a normal day in the life of Superman Mark Maddox. I mean, he used to do that stuff all the time. So he probably he saved some people out of Lake Byron at the front of campus. But Mark, Mark, were you with some of those dudes? Because there were some baseball guys. Because I was in the dorm with Hall Power and, and Shepard and some of those guys. You never fished in Lake Byron, did you? No, I never did. But um, I knew some guys that went down there. But no, I never did. Yeah, we had some football players that did. I don't think they caught anything out of there except trash. But anyway, it was a, it was a nice, uh, nice play. Anyway, man, no, but I, I, I said tongue in cheek. You, uh, you exemplify what it means to be a Southern Miss Golden Eagle, and and uh, Bob wanted our, our listeners to be able to hear that. All right, you're you're out in the in the right field roost a lot, and I have to ask you this because you're still all time uh, number one run scored games played. Total bases, uh, second behind Walner. We, we set records for them to be broken. 
Uh, I am way behind Ray Guy as the number two in punting average. But isn't it kind of interesting every year when you see these guys coming along and and uh, nobody else may recognize it, but but you know um, what, what it was like to, to be in that position. And it's almost like you see these guys every year creep up on your records, and, man, it, it just makes you feel good um, knowing that that type of same level of baseball, and in my case football, is being played at Southern Miss. Absolutely. Um, you know, they, like you said just a little bit ago, records are made to be broken. And, you know, if somebody's going out there and breaking the records, then, then they're successful. And hopefully the, the team is able to be successful as well. And, you know, that's what you, that's what you play for. I, I mean, I doubt anybody goes into to their freshman year at Southern Miss or wherever they may be and say, hey, look, you know, I'm going to set out and break these records or do this. But if you're successful, um, then you look up and, Three, four years later, five years later, however long it takes, and you know if you do what your team is asking for, then hopefully you'll be in a, a good spot to to break some of those. Be honest, was there any jawing or conversation when Walner broke it between you and him? <laughs> no, there wasn't. But you know what's what's <laughs> kind of cool is his parents would uh, would always come out to our roof spot, and you know his parents and my parents are are still great friends. They're great people, and so. Honestly, it was probably more like nobody really knew what to say. It was the elephant in the room when they were around and I was around and all that. But I, I couldn't be happier. You know, that's a guy that, you know, fully deserves that. He was able to do it in three years. He's obviously a, a big-time power guy. And, you know, hopefully we can, you know, share that bond and, you know, be good friends and we'll get somebody to follow from for my young boys to, to watch him in, in the big leagues, hopefully. Last question, about a minute left. Uh, we, me and your dad and, and some more guys uh, pulling together with this uh, help, helping Coach Palmer, the GoFundMe aspect, uh, has almost $25,000 we've raised. Uh, and of course, your dad is involved in, in other ways, too. Um, just kind of tell our listeners what Corky Palmer means to you and why it's so important we help him. Oh, I, I mean, you know, he, he was that, that father figure on the field away from your dad, you know, and even though I had local parents here, you know, you still, you, ne- you needed somebody to be able to push you and, you know, get the best out of you. And that's what he was great at. You know, he, he would do anything for his guys at this point. And, you know, right now he's in a spot where he needs us. And so hopefully the community, as you just said, you know, raising $25,000 has already, ra- already rallied around him pretty well, just in a, you know, short term. So he uh, he means the world to us, and we just hope he can come out of this on top and get back to Pete Taylor Park sometime soon. Hey, Mark, we appreciate you being on the show. Great conversation, a good work in helping save that guy, and uh, <laughs> we really do appreciate you taking the time to come on the show and talk to us today. Yeah, I appreciate it, guys. Thank you. All right. The great Mark Maddox, everybody, one of the true great Southern Miss baseball players and USM Baseball History, another one on the Eagle Hour tomorrow. Hunter Stanley joins us for the first half hour. Make sure you're here for that.
Southern Miss to the top. To the top. You're tuned in to the Eagle Hour. Appreciate Mark Maddox joining us, as well as Patrick McGee in the first segment on this Wednesday edition of the Eagle Hour. Happy to have you, Luke and Bob, live from the First Bank Studios in Hattiesburg. And Laurel, the sandwich of the week at 4th Street is a mushroom Swiss burger. comes with fries. You can get it any day. But you can only get the eight ninety five lunch particular menu on its specific day, which means it's Pork Chop Thursday and then it's Bob Getty Catfish Friday for the next two days at 4th Street. So um, go grab a mushroom Swiss burger. That sounds really, really, really good. Appreciate Slade White and the whole crew over at 4th Street sponsoring and being part of the Eagle Hour team. Kelly Sander joins us now, and uh, we mentioned this with, with Patrick McGee, but let's talk about it a little more. Uh, Kelly, Rodrigo Montenegro, Gabe Montenegro's little brother, a catcher for the Western Oklahoma State College Pioneers, announcing today his commitment to the University of Southern Mississippi Baseball. Catcher batted three forty eight. 45 runs, 55 hits, 39 RBIs, four home runs, and uh, he did steal a couple bases. Uh, we have another count of Montenegro uh, joining the baseball field, Kelly. And, uh, you know, he, he looks the same. I mean, if you look at them, they're like twins. Uh, Rodrigo, the younger one, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I, I think that helps. And I think, uh, as we mentioned with Patrick, and get your take on it, I think that kind of bodes well for Gabe possibly returning also. Well, I'm I'm glad you uh, you mentioned that, Luke, because uh, Gabe Montenegro has been here so long. I thought that was his son. <laughs> that was coming. Southern Miss. Uh, okay, Gabe's so been around a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, with with these COVID rules, you know, if we can, you know, obviously COVID was a very serious thing and remains to be for some people. But with these COVID years, it's going to be, you know, you're going to have seniors that are if they take advantage of all the opportunities they have to play college sports. Some of these seniors could be 27 years old by the time, by the time that they graduate. But you know, as much of that besides the resume, you know, as much of that is about the family, you know, I mean, Scott Barry and his staff know what they're getting in a family as well. And one of the things that I always tell a lot of these travel players, travel baseball players that come up and I tell their parents as well, in this day and age of social media and, things that that you can hardly not do anything without somebody knowing about it. If parents don't think that their attitudes and their behavior matter, whether their son or daughter gets recruited, they better think again. Because scholarships are limited, and when coaches have two players that are equal and absolutely don't know which way to go, don't think for a minute that they're not going to see what are we getting with the parents and the family. Because now every parent wants, seems to want their kid to play every inning of every game, whether they earned it or not. And you got even parents at the college level will challenge these coaches as to why their kid isn't playing. So food for thought. Well, well, Bob, it's, it's amazing then to, to Sanders' point that it just shows you how talented John Carter really was. Because oh yeah, knew what they yeah. That Northwestern State still signed him to a scholarship, realizing Kelly came with it. Man, he was uh, speaks volumes, Sander. 
Well, see, now I feel bad. <laughs> now, you make a great you, point, Kelly. You set yourself yeah, up. Yeah, you set that up. Yeah. Okay, I had to. Uh, Kelly, and it strikes me, and I've heard from various sources uh, about some of that taking place this year on the Southern Miss baseball team, young players coming in from – from high school and not immediately starting on a top 20 team and they're unhappy and the parents are unhappy. And I think back uh, to, to the kid that played quarterback at Alabama that transferred to Oklahoma. Jay, what's his name? Uh, Jalen Hurt. Yeah. You know, here, here this kid leads a team to a national championship and he gets benched. And, you know, he's a team player. And uh, it, just, it, it just said a ton about the character of that kid and I'm assuming his family and the reverse is a is not a positive trend, is it, Kelly? It isn't. And and you'll talk to some college coaches, uh, college coaches now that will say it is amazing how a lot of these college players have facial hair. They have their adult in every every single aspect of their life. But every inning, one of their parents will come down every inning. Can I get you something? Do you need a power aid? Do you need a candy bar? <laughs> You know, and these guys say it ain't have, so, Kelly. It is so. Not, not, not a lot, but it it happens, <laughs> and it's happening more and more. And college coaches are going. At what point do these parents back off of their kids and let them do things for themselves and learn that you have to earn your position? But you know, we've got other things. We got bigger fish to fry, I guess. But yeah, it's, it's good that another Montenegro will be um, will be in a uniform. And it might be two of them, like Luke said. might right. be two at once. I think that's a good ch- possible. And I'm glad. Yeah, I'm glad. yeah for yeah. sure. Yeah. Other things, uh, you guys, a little bit about a lot of things. In the NBA, Stan Van Gundy didn't last one year, one full calendar year as coach of the New Orleans Pelicans. He is out, and there is word out of New Orleans today that Teresa Weatherspoon has emerged as the front runner to be the new coach of the Pelicans. And that of course, would be the first female head basketball coach in the NBA if that were to happen. But a very um, highly decorated assistant coach who has uh, put in her time in the NBA, is this the time that the NBA would hire uh, a woman as head coach? Anyway, that's the word out of uh, New Orleans today. Mike Bianco apparently in negotiations with LSU to become their next uh, baseball coach. Will that happen or not? We talked it's not quite as easy as you think with Ole Miss having the fifth largest um, Budget for baseball in the country. Only one other candidate has even been talked about, the head coach at East Carolina. We can talk more about that in a minute. Out of Memphis, um, officials with the city of Memphis have proposed Liberty Park, a mixed-use development, uh, which will include a youth sports park, and that it will be built right next to the Liberty Bowl. Scheduled opening would be October of 2022. But football fans in the Memphis area think that it could cause all sorts of problems, particularly parking at bigger events at the Liberty Bowl. That's out of Memphis. And finally, golfers on the PGA Golf Tour have voted to do away with what are called green books. And that's where the the pros uh, get essentially a map of each green, uh, whatever particular course they're playing. It shows the undulations and the percentage of break and so on and so forth. Um, Players want to get rid of those, saying that you're not really relying on talent, but when, when you have those green books, they would rather just forces themselves and let a person's talent and intuition uh, play more a role in the game. So if that uh, if that passes the competition committee, that would go into effect next year. Among those that want to get rid of the books are Rory McIlroy, 
among those that want to keep them is uh, Bryson DeChambeau. And, of course, the U.S. Open begins this week at La Jolla in uh, San Diego with first round beginning uh, tomorrow. Hmm. So that's it, guys. That's what else is going on. Luke? I just I can't believe that Gundy's out after one year. Yeah, there a lot of a lot of uh, heads are starting to roll in the NBA. I you know I'm more of a college basketball fan, and I, in full disclosure, I don't really keep up with the NBA uh, that much. But um, I mean, here we are in nearly July, and we still don't have an NBA champion. I mean, the college basketball champion was crowned in April. The first weekend in April, and here we are, nearly July, and we still don't know. You know, well, basketball, NBA basketball season seems to go on and on and on, and I know the same to be said. Well, it's for, because they started baseball. so late. That's why it's because they had to start late because of COVID, because they finished up so late. That's what I did the same thing. I think the finals are going to be over on on July twenty second. And I'll be honest, I mean, you know, I, I pick a franchise in each sport and pull for them. I'm a Pelicans fan, but. You know, I, I, over the course of an NBA season, I don't really watch anything except you know the playoffs, the what, where they're at right now. But um, we 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 talked about Nick Sandlin, and I went back and watched the pitching sequence um, from the other night. And I tell you what, the major major league baseball is getting to experience what we saw. I mean, the, the slider that he throws now. And the curveball that he, it's almost like a frisbee ball that he threw. But let me tell you guys, he threw a 95 mile an hour fastball that ran in. I mean, it talked, it stayed outside the plate and then it moved back in and caught the outside corner. And he, he threw 10 pitches that inning. Nine were strikes dominating the zone. I think he got probably four or five in those, of those 10, um, swinging strikes. And he's got even more movement on his uh, pitches now than even what he did at Southern Miss. It's pretty remarkable. And the uptick in velocity. And because, because there's, uh, there's such an emphasis now on hitting home runs rather than base hits and that home runs you know, sell tickets, that's why strikeouts are on the increase. Pitchers aren't necessarily any better than the hitters have been. But the hitters have taken the emphasis, teams have taken the emphasis on, on launch angles and you know, hitting home runs. It's getting to be more of a slow pitch kind of game than it is, you know, the, the game that I remember. You know, I, I'd much rather, and we've talked about this before, I'd much rather have a guy that hits singles and doubles uh, than guys that hit home runs because if they don't hit a home run, they usually strike out. Uh, but until they get away from this emphasizing the long ball and emphasizing the home runs, pitchers are going to continue to strike a lot of guys out. Again, I don't think they're any better than they have been. I don't think hitters are worse than they used to be. I think the teams are just, they want more home runs hit, and so the launch angles are different, which, uh, You know, which causes a whole different dynamic in the game. All right, we'll continue with Kelly Sander. We'll wrap up another edition of the Eagle Hour on the other side of the break. to the top. Final segment today brought to you by DBAT, D1 Training. In Hattiesburg, the website dbathattiesburg.com. Batting cages, lessons, 
camps and clinics. I got a pro shop. You can uh, pick up some great you know, merchandise and helps uh, to improve your game. It's all at DBAT Hattiesburg and D1 Training on Hardy Street. Got summer camps uh, coming up. There's still three left. They're finishing up one today, but another one June 21st through 25th, July 5th through 9th, and July 12th through 14th. Discount, obviously, with uh, with a membership. And you can swing into DBAT one time, or you can be a, a member there. DBAT D1 Training, located in Hattiesburg. couple news and notes. Even this uh, own hour while we were talking with Patrick McGee about new commits, Southern Miss football gets another commit for the class of 22. Tiaquellen Mims, a wide receiver from Bay Manette, Alabama, goes to Baldwin County High School. You know where that is, down around... Foley in Gulf Shores area. Mims, 5'9", 173, commits to Southern Miss today. So the Golden Eagles get another skill position commit and a good balance. They've been they've been bringing in the beef lately with a lot of linemen, go after a skills guy. So uh, Mims, 5'9", 173 from Baldwin County High School in Baymanet, Alabama. Uh, the newest commit to the Golden Eagles. He will be a upcoming senior this year, so he'll be in the signing class of 20. 22. Coach Mo in soccer uh, adds a midfielder from North Miami, Florida, Tachanda Kobate, and she uh, has was very good in, in high school at North Miami High School, the MVP of the season, three times also a captain. Um, hey, th- this girl, she also played flag football in, in high school. So uh, anyway, good stuff as we bring in new athletes. And then four baseball players. Named to the ABCA Rawlings All-South Region team. Second team, Walker Powell, Reed Trimble. And first team, Charlie Fisher and Hunter Stanley, all named to the ABCA Rawlings All-South Region squad. Announced uh, today. And the aforementioned Hunter Stanley will be on the Eagle Hour uh, tomorrow. And another one of those great relievers that Christian Ostrander and Scott Berry have converted to a pitcher. And man, oh man, did he... Have a good year, Kelly. What should we not ask Hunter Stanley tomorrow? Well, well, I, the one thing I want to go back to your interview with uh, Mark Maddox. Did Mark tell you how influential I was in his baseball career? Because if he didn't, I oh. want my hundred bucks back. No, he didn't mention that. He I, was never mentioned. What, a, what an amazing thing! No, he didn't. <laughs> no, he didn't. Uh, I'll, I'll get that hundred dollars back from him that I, that I paid yeah. him to say yeah. it. Um, hmm. But I, but on, on these football recruits, Luke. Um, I like, and I think it was Patrick McGee that uh, used a quote that um, that Coach Will Hall said. He said, "Coming in, the, the whole staff looking at where they needed the most help immediately was along the lines, offensively, in particular, and defensive line." And uh, and he said, in their early months as coaches at Southern Miss, he, and this is a this is a quote now. He said, "I think we killed that fly with a hammer." <laughs> mean, meaning he's got some. Really big, strong guys coming in here, as evidenced by the last two commits, the last couple of days, you know, averaging well over 300 pounds and in the average of six feet, six and a half inches tall. I mean, you had some big dudes coming in here to protect the quarterbacks, and that's music to a quarterback's ears, right? Right? If if you say and, to a and one of those guys that. One of those guys is uh, connected to, to Trey Lowe, comes in from West Virginia, and, you know, Lowe was, I think, influential in, in talking to him and, you know, getting him uh, when he entered the transfer portal to, to come down to Southern Miss. So it always helps not only to have new guys, but new guys that you're familiar with. But, but if you can, if, 
If you say to a quarterback, I think the biggest problem you're going to have this year is throwing it high enough to get it over your offensive lineman's head. That's a good problem. That's a good right. problem to have if you're a quarterback. Right. You know, if I know guys that size are going to be protecting me, I'll say, look, I'll deal with that. <laughs> okay? I'll make the adjustment if I've got guys that big blocking for me. So good for them. If they felt that that was the biggest need, they certainly went off and, and, uh, and got it done quickly as far as filling those uh, cupboards on the offensive line go. And I don't know that you can ever have too many offensive or defensive linemen. No, you can never have too much stake. That is one thing for say. About a minute left on the show. Can you just remind our listeners about the GoFundMe? We brought it up with Mark Maddox earlier. Of course, a joint effort of Tyler Kahn, Rick Maddox, Jimmy Pierce, and Ted Palmer. Happy uh, to to have helped them with that. GoFundMe.com. You can just search Help Coach Corky Palmer or just Corky Palmer. Right now, guys, uh, a little over, a little under a month of it being going We've raised twenty four thousand eight hundred and twenty dollars uh, for, wow. for Corky Palmer, and just uh, keep spreading the word. You know, we had the initial push, and uh, it's been been steady in there. But uh, keep keep sharing it, and uh, keep telling people we need to help Coach Palmer, and and we can get over twenty five thousand a day in no time. And we're going to be on the road Friday, right? The Eagle Hour on the road Friday. Parish Tractor, my man. Parish Tractor for Father's Day. So uh, we'll That's look. Father's Day is this Sunday. That's yeah, Sunday. we'll look forward to that. Hunter Stanley on the show tomorrow. Kelly and Luke on the road Friday. We're gonna finish the week uh, in high style. Back tomorrow at one o'clock. Hope you'll join us then. Until then, Southern Miss to, to the, the top. top. Slipping, slipping, slipping into the future. I want to fly like an eagle to the sea. Fly like an eagle, let my spirit carry me. I want to fly like an eagle till I'm free. Super Talk Mississippi Media Production.